Hey there, welcome to the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline. I am the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives to see what makes them tick and see how they got where they are today. So sit back, relax. I look forward to sharing their journey with you. Okay, folks. Hello. How are you? I'd like to introduce you guys to Michael Dunham. Michael Dunham, I've known for a while, and he was in one of my business courses a while back. But I really wanted to introduce him and get him to meet you guys and for you to meet him to learn about his path. And the words that I'm looking for here really is kind of the non-traditional CG career, you know, or at least the way in which he's able to go out there and make an impact and really kind of utilize this cool thing that he's done, which is called the XMD. Is it just XMD Source or XMD Brush? Well, the company's XMD uh, website's XMD Source. Awesome. Why don't we start this with what's the primary thing you do for a living today? I'm actually a 3D artist at Mega Training Systems, where we do military training simulation, basically uh, really big video games with real weapons that uh, they okay. train the military with. Okay. First person shooters or? Yeah, well, you are the shooter. So you're standing with a real weapon and you have a big screen. We use CryEngine right now, and you are primarily just shooting at the enemies, and they have training courses that are basically shooting ranges that you shoot at targets. It's How long a, have you been doing this? I've been there for 12 and a half years now. Hmm. All right. And then talk to me about this other project, XMD Source. What is what? that? I started XMD long time ago. I'd say it started getting big in about 2012. I just started creating brushes. I've tried to come up with a name for a while for brushes. I was just giving brushes away on ZBrush Central. Mm-hmm. And they started getting really popular. So I had to come up with a name for them and realized that in ZBrush, you, know, you press B and then you hit a letter. And X is the only one that didn't exist for any brushes. So I just threw that in front of my initials and that pretty much became XMD. And (laughs) it was was about as simple as that. (laughs) So uh, it could have ended up being any three letter or any uh, letter before my name, but X was the first one I found. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just years of messing around with brushes. I just started asking people what they wanted. And just came up with tons of different uh, brushes. And then over the years, realized that I'd created, uh, I think I'm at about 1,400 brushes that I've created now. Mm. And ZBrush is not very good at organization for brushes specifically. You can only load 300 in the interface. I mean, you could use Lightbox, but who uses Lightbox? So I tried to come up with a way of organizing everything. And the best way, I started talking to a programmer friend of mine, Edric Rominger. He's uh, the guy that helps me program all this stuff. He, you know, we basically sat down and brainstormed different ways of doing it. And the plugin system in ZBrush is not very robust. You can pretty much just do macros. So we decided to make an external program that was called, which is macro pushes. And that's kind of how it was born to begin with, was the toolbox. And that got added to it. And then a year and a half ago, we came up with a way for people to sign up on a website and add the functionality to the toolbox to be able to download all my brushes within the toolbox. So it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And uh, Hmm. that's pretty much where we are now. What I'd love to see now is like, what's the usefulness of brushes? You know, because I know from being part of development, but what's the usefulness of these brushes? Why not just use the clay brush or standard brush for everything? Well, what I try to do, at least with my brushes, I've seen other people that create brushes that are a finished product. And that, to me, is not very useful for growing as an artist. Like, just throwing in somebody else's kit bashing stuff that's completely done. You don't really learn too much from that. So my whole goal from the beginning was to create brushes that helped you become faster 
but also helps you become a better artist because they're not a finished product. It's kind of like base message to start with. And all of my brushes are geared, in my mind, towards speeding up your productivity, not really finishing it for you, but just allowing you to create stuff and still be you. You're not just throwing in somebody else's art. Okay. But still, what's the power? In fact, do you have any brushes you can demo? Give me a little sense of how somebody can use them. Let's see. This is the toolbox, by the way. So. All right. So this is like a closet. Doesn't really go with it. Okay. The dragon, but it'll work for now. <laughs> I started doing this with Sculptors Pro, which is actually really cool. So, I mean, basically, if you were building something with cloth, it's in there and sculpting all of your wrinkles. It'd take a while. You have different brushes that you can go through and just help you speed up the process mm -hmm. to do it. And there's also in the same set, I mean, I have like chisel brushes that you can actually draw out your wrinkles if you want to. They have mm -hmm. gravity on them. But I mean, the whole process of everything I create is to help guide the person, not do it for them. I mean, some stuff, of course, you got like chains and stuff like that, ropes. Right. They'll help you in your final piece. But yeah, I mean, as far as just doing it, it's just there for to help. I think uh, every artist could use a little bit of help speeding up processes sure. and pipelines, but you still have to do everything yourself. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you in and have a conversation with you is because through these brushes, you've added a lot of value to the community. What's been the effect of that? Has that been something that's come back and helped you in your career or in your connections or any of that? Oh, definitely. I've made so many connections just talking to other artists. I even go as far as just contacting different artists at different studios and asking them, like, any of my members that work at studios, asking them what type of brushes would help them mm -hmm. grow as a studio, what type of stuff are they looking for, what would they like to see in the future. And a majority of the brushes that I've created are actually requests from different members and even some studios. All right, great. What kind of things are requested? Actually, these cloth brushes with BDM that I just showed you a minute ago, those were requested. Yeah. I get a lot of requests for like mainly skin and leather, terrain stuff. These hair brushes have been huge. They've had, I think, half a million downloads. Of course, they're free. And uh, the gems right here, they were requested. Um, these are precisely cut to the millimeter of what they should be for the different shapes. They have 17 different gemstones in them. I've had several people ask for cloth brushes. I've currently got in the works a uh, set of bone brushes that are like skeleton uh, skulls and bones of different animals. Mm -hmm. And that was actually a request from a studio that I can't mention. But they wanted to use them for, uh, I believe, one of their games. And they requested those. And I had just recently a request for runes that somebody wanted to use in a game. So, I mean, it's just completely random. But a lot of them have to do with creatures. It seems like everybody wants to sculpt creatures. Got it. Yeah, and I'm sure the brushes help a lot with all of that. Has that helped in terms of getting jobs or any of that stuff? I've actually, I've gotten a few uh, freelance jobs uh, from it. I mean, I have my day job, which I, you know, work eight hours a day on that. But uh, mm -hmm. whenever I get home, yeah, I accept some freelance jobs occasionally. And I mean, I've met hundreds of people just from 
starting a conversation kind of like we are now about you know brushes and zbrush in general and i've uh, actually helped a few students just kind of mentoring and helping them with portfolio stuff i had i believe at noman i work with james shoft occasionally his student mm-hmm. And uh, they actually give me quite a few ideas for uh, brushes that they want to see. And uh, it's been a lot of fun just creating and just seeing what's out there. Whenever I see someone else's brushes, it always inspires me. I don't try to take anyone else's ideas, but it usually gives me ideas of different things just by looking and seeing what's out there now. Mm -hmm. There's so much stuff out there. ZBrush is a huge community. Right. Yeah, massive community. What got you into brushes to begin with? Were you looking to boost your career or to find angles to meet people? Or what was it that got you into the brushes? Originally, so when I started creating brushes, I don't think anybody was actually doing it. Yeah. Uh, I know Joseph Drust was making some that he was giving away at the time. But I mean, there wasn't a big community of brushes. So I just kind of saw a gap there. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was never really in it to begin with to make money from it or anything like that. I was just creating them for fun and uh, just throwing right. them out there. And I think my my ZBrush Central post that I originally had, it has close to half a million views on it just from people requesting stuff and me posting on there. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd like it to get up to half a million so I can get on there a little uh, half a million view of forum. <laughs> but uh, the main reason why I got into it was just entertainment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really to boost my career or anything like that. It was just creating to help other people. It wasn't until I think about two years after I started creating brushes that I actually started selling some. Because I had a couple of friends that just threw in the idea of trying to make some money from it. And there wasn't anything like QBrush or Gumroad or anything like that in the beginning. So Mm -hmm. I actually started just putting them on my website and selling them there, which it wasn't a huge boost just because, you know, I didn't have that many followers on my website. Yeah. I, I got a lot of attention from ZBrush Central at the time, but it was mainly just for fun to begin with. Cool. And in terms of a source of income, you know, without getting too many details, is this something that, you know, does it provide free beer money? Is this something that still generates? Is it a car payments or how does this fit into your life in terms of being a business for you now? As a business, it definitely can pay a house payment. It makes money. I won't say that it doesn't make money. I'm trying to get to a point where I can solely focus on it. I'm not quite there yet. I'd like to be able to you know, not have a day job and just work on XMD. I mean, I work on this, I'd say, probably a couple of hours, maybe four hours a day. But minimal is usually two hours. So if I could work on it eight to 12 hours a day, the possibilities would be endless. I would just be constantly creating stuff. Because now uh, you got to spend time with the family and everything. You know that. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to balance work and home life. So, yeah, I mean, if I could knock out the middleman of the day job, then you know, <laughs> the middleman, <laughs> it would be huge. I mean, right now it's already huge to begin with. We have, like I said, over 13 or 1400 brushes. There's over 800 alphas that go in the sets. We have the toolbox, we have XMD stores, which we are expanding. And I say we, because a lot of this I could not do without my good friend, Edric Rominger. I worked with him years ago and we've been friends ever since and just been working on this on our free time. And just to be able to, just the ideas that I have that it could go in for direction. And right now I'm working mm-hmm. towards allowing other sellers to sell within the toolbox, which yeah. I believe would, I mean, it'd be huge. So just having other sellers, I mean, even people giving away free stuff or just building a community within the toolbox. I don't think there's anything like that for ZBrush. 
And I've also been looking at the possibility of expanding into substance as well. Right. I've made a few rushes for substance and a lot of my rushes actually will convert over to substance. Not so much like the IMM brushes, but any of the tileable stroke brushes, anything like that, they actually convert pretty well. So I have, uh, I think, three sets that I converted a little over a year ago for it. But they're also on my website. I don't think they're on XMD source yet because it's solely ZBrush right now. We haven't implemented everything into it yet. As far as expanding the toolbox and XMD in general, I have so many ideas that there's not even enough time in the day to even map it all out. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And let me open this up, guys. So I've got um, some of the boot campers in here, Cerise, uh, Thomas. What kind of questions do you guys have about uh, what Michael's done, what he's been able to achieve, you know, reaching tens of thousands of people and all of that? And then while we're waiting for those questions, Michael, what's the simple process for you when you're creating brushes? How do you go about the process of making them? To begin with, I'd say every idea comes with a reference. Yeah. I search and search and search all over the place. I try to use real life reference as opposed to artistic reference, just because 3D, if you're using that for reference, you tend to take more than you should. So that's my opinion. But I try to look at real life situations and Find reference. First, find an idea that I want to create. So if I wanted to create a set of medieval brushes, I would go and Mm -hmm. research just tons of different ideas for medieval times and like look at clothing, look at weapons, look at architecture, and then come up with a list of what I want to create um, specifically. And the list usually gets a lot bigger than what I start with. Because, you know, you start creating and you then you duplicate something and you change a little bit and you're like, hey, it's totally different. And it just grows very quickly. Like one little set that I start out and I'm like, I'm just going to create five brushes. And it ends up being 30 brushes. <laughs> so after I come up with an idea, I'll go in. Right now, I'm mainly using ZBrush. I was using 3D Studio Max and doing base meshes. And then taking them into ZBrush and converting them over, clean up edges, do creases, whatever I need to, possibly remesh them and get them out that way. But I always end in ZBrush, obviously. Now, since the modeler has become a big thing, like any of the hard surface stuff, I try to use the modeler for all of it because it does a much cleaner job than coming in from a 3D package because you trade a triangulation and it quads it back out once you get back in there and it's just, you don't get clean edges. And a lot of it, I don't know if you have looked at a Pablo Gomez. Mm-hmm. Is he yeah. guides? Yes. I took one of his courses recently actually at the ZBrush Summit. Mm-hmm. And he went over his creation of sculpting with, I mean, you're basically concepting inside of ZBrush. And I've actually used that, started doing that for brushes. So just like throw a blob out there and then looking at my reference and throwing little blobs out there and meshing them together. You can come up with some pretty cool stuff pretty quick, even for brushes. So I've experimented with every single possibility in uh, ZBrush for making them, including, you know, using the new VDM stuff, the vector displacement. Yeah. The only problem with vector displacement is you have to sculpt everything on top of the plane. So everything literally has to be popped out of the plane. And I mean, you can project down on top of it, but it's still one direction of projection. So it's kind of limited in that way. but I'm working on a landscape generator right now that mm-hmm. has a ton of different features of landscapes that you can use to sculpt. And then I have a bunch of stroke brushes, like cutting canyons in, mountains, stuff like that, that will just push out all the detail. And then I have micro detail brushes for doing rocks and different things like that. And that it should be somewhere around 60 or 70 brushes whenever that comes out. It'll be a huge set to go with it. But that one, I've done most of it with the uh, BDM 
So I just hand sculpted about probably 75% of the brushes in there. So that's a different process that I've used this time. I used to create the IMM brushes, the curve, you know, the triparts. I used to create yeah. those in Max and then bring them into ZBrush. Before I knew that you could actually create them completely in ZBrush very easily. Because <laughs> all you yeah. have to do is just section off your middle section. It can be one piece and then section off the middle section, make it a new polygroup. And then you're pretty much done. <laughs> it's very simple process inside of ZBrush. Stuff like that, like just playing around with it and watching other tutorials, watching other people work. You just learn these little tiny tricks. You're like, that just saved me an entire day's worth of work. <laughs> Check comments here. Yeah, so Thomas is just interested in the fundamentals of brush creation. So I haven't really talked to these guys too much about ZBrush because a lot of what we do in the boot camp is all career and game focused. Well, and so we're focused on, you know, the triggers like substance painter and things like that. Um, but if you were to create a brush right now, let's just say a simple scale, what's the process for you to do that? So if I was creating a, all right, let's see, no pressure. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, we'll say, let's just start with. Wrong, but we're going to yeah so if i was going to just create a drag brush that has some detail what i would let's, see, let's go back Is it showing the right screen? Yes, I'm seeing ZBrush. Okay. All right. So um, let's say say you wanted to create uh, some dra uh, some lizard skin or something. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I remember how to use it. Yeah, so I might start out, uh, let's say, some type of alien skin. This should just be a simple drag brush. You can also, I have a trick. I don't remember who I got it from. But there's a plane that has a smaller subdivision outside of it, and then inside it's highly subdivided. Mm -hmm. And you, you use it, you frame it on your screen and use it with the uh, tiling feature, and you can create tiling brushes with it. Mm, is that your phone? I think we're getting some vibration. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I don't have it on this computer, but if I can find it, I'll uh, share it with you. It's a really cool tool. It's just a simple plane that is subdivided on the outside edge around it. Uh, so if you were to take this, Make sure your perspective's off. And go in your alpha, grab dot. This will grab your alpha. Actually, I usually start with a square document. 
because it'll frame <laughs> perfectly and use up all your real estate. Right. But that's the basic idea. Once you have this, then you can go into and I would go in, go ahead and save the brush. I actually have a fairly I have a way of creating icons that uh, I don't think anybody else really does just because I don't know I get kind of very particular whenever I create brush if you look at all my Show you like all of these. You can see all the icons match <laughs> because I I don't know I get I don't really want to say anal but yeah that's kind of mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> just own so, it. <laughs> <laughs> so once I create the brush, I may go in and tweak the alpha that I just loaded if I don't like uh, the fall off on it or if I want it to be a a rounded. Thing, or if I want more intensity, if I want radial fall off, I will adjust like a bunch of parameters. Sometimes you might want to use maximum range just so you get the full grayscale from black to white on your brush. And it'll, it gives it a better intensity whenever you draw it up. And I almost always turn on anti aliasing just because it tends to get rid of artifacts, but it can slow down a slope machine. So once I do that, then I save it. And then I have a document that, that I love. And this is what I create all my icons on. Yeah, specific lighting that I use already set up. Then I take my brush and this one is going to be a drag rig. So go ahead and set intensity. So once I, and usually for the icons, I exaggerate because they're going to be really tiny. Yeah. Um, whenever you load them up, you see all these, they're EVD. So if you exaggerate them, then it tends to, show up better as an icon and i also go in and render just a best render and then mm -hmm. the reason why this is green behind it as you could probably guess it, i just use it as a color picker and then delete the backdrop because you can also just take your what's on here and i believe alt click or control click select icon and it'll create it from that but it adds a weird transparency to it which i don't like so let's take this print screen it take it into photoshop sorry if this is a boring process right <laughs> no, that's it, good you know the key is for people to see the attention to detail really you know yeah i I actually think, you know, as far as a selling part, uh, we're talking about that, the icons that you show of your brushes, if you create brushes, is how you sell it. Because if you have bad presentation on any of your product images, it doesn't sell. So it's taken me years to get to where I am with uh, like my logo for XMD, I've been trying for years to come up with an actual logo, but then it had become so well known that uh, just the letters XMD and with the blue bar behind it, uh, at one point I tried to make a logo and nobody knew what it was. <laughs> so I ended up going back to XMD, like all the icons are just XMD on top of, you can see the toolbox icon down here. What mm -hmm. is XMD? But that became my brand, and it wasn't intentional either. 
it was just I never could come up with a logo. So that became the logo. Yeah, so once you do this, then I go in, select color range. Make sure it's all. Delete the background. So there is a very strange thing. I'm sure it's intentional for ZBrush and Pixelogic. I'm sure they did it for a specific reason. But uh, for icons, the best thing to do is bring in either a PSD that has a black background that is flattened or a PNG that is transparent. Um, I started using PNGs that are transparent because I include the icons with the brushes and it's a high res mm -hmm. icon. So people see what they're getting. But I'm not sure if students are aware, but if you bring in your own alpha, make sure that is a flattened PSD that is 16 bit grayscale because otherwise it adds steps, like little tiny steps into the actual brush. So whenever you drag it out, you're going to get like these little, I guess, I don't really know what it's called. But it's, you know, like a gradient, the steps when you could see them. Stair stepping. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah, it adds it adds that into your brush if you don't like if you're using an alpha from outside. Even if you use an alpha that you found online, make sure that you convert it if it's not already 16-bit grayscale PSD. And P I use PSD because it saves all of your height information and it doesn't downsample your texture stuff. So. But once you create your icon, then Then you can go back into your subtract. All right, so there's your icon. And then you know, go in under create, edit your brush credit, make sure you credit yourself. That's a big thing that I think a lot of people forget to do, but that gives you exposure. If, even if you give out a free set, put your website in there. And uh, if you have 10,000 people that download your brush, that's 10,000 people that know who you are. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that'd be the basic creation of like a drag brush. And icons will always be like that for me. I prefer that way. But like I said, you can always go in here and yeah, alt click select icon and it takes a screenshot. But there's, it just kind of alphas it out. So is there, so flatten the flatten PSD Kyle's talking about. I was talking about for bringing in alphas. So if you have an alpha that's outside of here, there's some of the ones that I'm working on now. Bones, feathers, landscape generator, metal scratches, pipes, and superheroes. That one's actually going to be kind of fun. Got a, I'm making basically a bunch of brushes that like if you're creating a superhero or something, kind of like going to be a Stanley tribute. But I'm not going to use any, you know, Marvel stuff or anything like that. I'm just making up my own designs for it. You can make an XMD superhero if you want to. Be a lot of fun. So, yeah, if you brought in a alpha 
like this. This is from photogrammetry. See, so yeah, I flatten the PSD with a black background, and then under mode, set it to grayscale, 16-bit. If you're creating an alpha, make sure it's 16-bit before you create it. Otherwise, you're up-resing your pixels to 16-bit, and you'll lose detail. And then once you do that, then it'll come in, and I will should, I wonder if it'll do it. I'll show you what happens if it's not uh, set to that. And then if this is not flat, so so if you saved it with layers, not flattened, watch it not do it now. But, uh, Import it in. That's one bad thing about having four monitors. Something pops up on one of them you don't see. All right, so import in. It may not do it because it was already 16 bit before. See the, yeah, you can see the noise and it. it creates noise if it's eight bit. But usually has stepping, but I think since it was already 16 bit uh, before and it converted it backwards, it was all right. But. And Kyle has another question. Cool. Okay. Yeah, so I think that answered quite a few questions. So the general process is you go and you do some sculpting on side of a plane and then you save this out. Let me check in with Thomas. Thomas, did that answer your question? Because I think that your question was the one that got us moving on this. And does that give you guys a kind of a sense of what you can do here? Just give me a quick yes, no. All right, what are some of the cases, Michael, that you've seen where, I mean, I guess what I'm looking for here is um, if one of my students wanted to go out there and make a difference and really help the community, what's a brush or something that they could do inside a ZBrush to help them, one, get exposure, right? Because a lot of this is about exposure. And then two, make a difference in the community. I would say the best thing to do is kind of see what's out there now and even see what other people have done and uh, kind of... Uh, like, for instance, all these, uh, let me switch my screen. Can you see the toolbox now? Yeah. Yeah, I see the toolbox. All right. So, yeah, I would say making an impact or a difference in the community for me is mostly sharing. Like, I sell my brushes, but I also create just as many free brushes as I do premium sets. And also, I listen to what people are asking for and try to fill a void. So find something that hasn't been created and just have fun with it. My Monster Mash set that I worked on a few years ago, it's basically kit bashing for creatures. Yeah. And it gives you base sets in the starter kit. I tell you to just add stuff. So, yeah. Um, whenever I created this, there wasn't really anything. I'll look at one see which takes So, there wasn't really anything uh, already created like it. I'm sure there is. It's just a bunch of 
base sets of different body types and stuff like that that you can create a monster out of. And then there's also arms and legs and ears and feet. But, I mean, I'd say as far as getting people to see you and recognize you and um, want to get stuff that you create is filling a void that other people aren't already doing. And that's how XMD started to begin with, was uh, just filling a void. So just look around and be inspired by what other people are creating and then go in a different direction. Take an idea and put your own twist on it. Or if you're starting out, see how other people are creating brushes. I have a tutorial that's pretty old, but I'm about to create some new ones on creating brushes. It's free out there on my website. But it's basically just finding something that inspires you and then go off with it. Like I just did a Halloween set with uh, Donna XYZ, Erdenoff. She did this Halloween set with me, which was actually a lot of fun. Which is somewhere. This is the Donna from the Twitch, right? Yes, yeah, she, she's the one that won the Sculpt Off and ZBrush Summit. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so we created this together, which is candy corn and all sorts of fun stuff. But uh, it was just, we just kind of put our brains together and just came up with a bunch of different ideas that you don't really see anywhere else. I mean, you see chains and stuff, but candy corn and you have uh, all these little pendants and this is actually yeah. a, uh, a, there's a base mesh for the pumpkin, and then all of the eyes and ears and nose are actually bullion sets that go with it. So, I mean, it's just, apparently that's a really big brush. Yeah, so. Cerie's asking, um, what's the most challenging brush you made so far? Ooh, uh, actually, okay. Yeah. I would say the water set. The water set that I did. That sounds challenging just right there. Oh, That's it is. Man, it was. God. It was very challenging. It took me a month to make this set. I was playing around. I can't remember what. I think I ended up using Real Flow. Oh, wow. I think, I think I ended up using Real Flow to do some of it. And I used their wave system in there, played around with it. And let's see. That's intense. It's, you're not playing around. Oh, man, I have no idea. It was <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, this. Yeah, so in here, you see all these different splashes. Uh, I just made a bunch of crown splashes inside. It's been a couple of years since I made this. Uh, trying to remember exactly the different. Uh, yeah, I'd say like part of part of the the challenge with this set was to be able to create splashes that were realistic with yeah. uh, freeze framing. Which I do a lot of research on how to take a in real flow simulating a splash and then grabbing just a frame of it. But once I created okay. that, I had like a ton of garbage. Like it was, there were so much issues with bringing those into ZBrush. 
for one, it's like billions of polys that you have to bring in, then down res them and get them workable. And when I created this, I would say it was maybe about half as familiar with a bunch of the different sculpting tools inside of ZBrush as I am now. Because it was yeah. years ago that I made it. But uh, yeah, getting it to a usable form was probably the biggest challenge. Because for one, whenever you create brushes, you want them to be as low poly as possible. Because I won't call anybody out, but certain people have really, really high res brushes, which you've probably run into their stuff. But they're, to me, I mean, unless you are an expert at retopology or using Z Remesher or the new Tessimate, you're probably not going to be able to use those brushes. And if you do, then your scene's going to become unusable very quickly. So all my brushes, my goal to begin with is to keep them as low poly as possible. So you can, 500,000, I believe, is for this. So these are really, really low. And then still be able to subdivide them. So keeping clean edges, being able to, if somebody use them where they're not, you know, craft geometry, if you throw it on there and you subdivide your mesh, then it just falls apart and has holes all over it. So I take time to clean everything up nicely and make sure it subdivides and smooths. Mm -hmm. And another part that was very challenging, I wanted to create a drip that was dynamic, which took me a while to figure out. But once I did, this was actually very useful. I had never seen anybody talk about this feature that's really big in ZBrush for triparts. If you're under, they moved it. So. I don't have my short heads up top on this computer. Modifiers, once you're on triparts, this is a tripart brush. So very simple. Very simple brush, but what makes it different is I created different variations of it where the center part is different. So okay. once you go in here, see how each one's got a different center part. The rest of it is identical. So then okay. once you go into... Once you're in the tripart, which I actually might do a tutorial on this because I'm not sure if there is. Make sure tripart is turned on for your brush that you have in the scene. And then there's this little thing right here. There we go. Variations. So you count how many uh, different variations you are. Really, there's nine on this one. And then in here, set set it on multi-mesh variations right here. And then you have this option right here where it'll go static, where it'll just guess which one you want to use. It'll cycle forward or backward or do random. And I'll show you what that means in just a second. And then you also have this multi-mesh selector which uh, allows you to cycle through when a multi-mesh is selected. So what that means, so this is the tripart curve. Once you draw it out, right, the first time it draws it out, 
it just randomly draws one. But then once you click, actually click it, see it'll randomize. So that is how I created the drip brush. Um, mm. So you can, every time you draw it out, it's going to be different. I love that. I was wondering about that feature just the other day as I created some brushes myself. I was like, huh, this is not something that somebody's really talked a lot about. So this is neat. So now is the variation, it's changing what's in the center? Yes. Yeah, right. I asked uh, Paul Gabriel about this feature and he said, there's no way to change the endpoints right now, which I've sent them countless emails to add this feature. It would be pretty awesome if you could do endpoints and center point, but it's only the center point that it changes. So whenever you set up this, you have to make sure that you use the exact same mesh for both of your endpoints. So your top and your bottom need to be exactly the same. You just change the center and it has to be the same height. So whenever you change the center, it has to be exactly the same height or it goes completely bananas. It just goes nuts. So that that is actually a really cool uh, thing that I don't think many people actually know or use it. But uh, you can yeah, do. Yeah, I, I don't think so. Stuff with it. I've done it with uh, a couple of the chain brushes that I have too to add like a kink in the chain and uh, different stuff like that. And like a uh, ropes, uh, you could like bury out and put little frays in different parts of it as you draw it out. So it just gives it a nice little random uh, thing. And what I was talking about with the uh, different cycles uh -huh. right here is uh, if you put, I always put it on random just because it makes it random, but you can make it cycle exactly through each of these where it'll go one, two, three, four, and just go straight forward or backward. So if you had something very specific, like uh, you're doing train tracks or something and you wanted every fourth one to have bolts on either side or something like that, then you could make it very specific. So just a neat little thing that's to figure it out one day. Yeah, but I would right. definitely say that this is by far the, it was the most challenging set that I made. That's cool. Does that answer your question, Serene? Now, Kyle was asking how you decide what's free and what's not. Yeah, that, okay. So when I started, I said like everything that I created was free. I think I had 196 brushes that were free. And that, I believe, actually started this. I mean, it's almost become a career now. But uh, it started this where I had a ton of followers just on ZBrush Central from actually just giving away to the community. So I try to balance what I give away for free and what I create as a premium set. And I also have subscription only where you have to actually be a member to get them. You can't buy them anywhere else. And that actually helps quite a bit too. It's kind of hard for me sometimes to put anything out there for free because I put a lot of love into all these brushes that I create. And I may be working on a set for like three weeks. And I'm like, I haven't put a free set out in a little while. I probably need to, because whenever you put out a free set, you get a lot more followers and you can kind of add to, uh, I don't know if you've talked to them about lists, uh, but mm -hmm. you, you can add to your list a lot more with your free stuff than you do with your premium stuff. So you give them right. a little bit, and you get a lot back. So all these people that download all your free stuff, you now have their contact information and you can sell to them later. So it's kind of a win-win, even if you give away free stuff, because your list is probably more important than the people that you just outright sell to. Because those are people that are going to come back if they like your stuff. So does that answer your question? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I mean, basically, you, you don't give as much away for free anymore. But that would be, you know, at the end of the day, you, you've done your job. Like, you have created a ton of them for free in the beginning. 
And that's just what you have to do in the beginning to get started, right? I'd say even now, probably about every fourth set that I make, I still give away for yeah. free. Oh, wow. Okay. I was just saying that it's hard for me to do it, but I'll still I'll still do it just to grow because you can't that list. Yeah, you can't really grow just by unless you think a ton into advertising, which can get very yeah. expensive. <laughs> it's gotten gotten even more expensive over the last year, I think. It's been, oh, been yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, I was looking at advertising on ArtStation because they're getting so big that it's it's crazy expensive. But yeah, as far as the free stuff, like out of the, I think I'm working on eight. Yeah, I'm working on nine sets right now. And the reason why I'm working on nine at once is because I kind of put one in the forefront. And then the other ones, as I come up with ideas, they just kind of meld in my brain and keep going. And I have a lot of trouble with not multitasking. So I will, my brain's just like all over the place. So I'll be like working on like the landscape generator and I'll be like, man, this would be really cool if I made some bones. And then that's how the bone thing started. Cause I started looking online at photogrammetry for bones and mm. it's like a lot of cool stuff. And I was like, you could probably make a really cool set out of just making skulls. So that's where I started going with that. And I think I've got like 30 different animal skulls on it right now. Wow, I'm excited for that. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a cool set. I've still got a long way to go in it, though. It's going to be huge. <laughs> <laughs> All <laughs> right. Hard, it's hard to not just keep making yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you do, you know, because a lot of students, a lot of people I know in the community, this has been, you know, a, quite a boon, you know, a lot of great stuff. In a, and we rely on these brushes because they're kind of core to what we do. But why don't we head over to your site just so people know exactly where to find you. So oh, did I lose you? Yep, I'm still there. Did no, it, you want to share the screen? Screen? Yeah, there's, it stopped sharing your screen? Yeah. Okay. I see. I pushed... Apparently there's a button that says clear screen, clean screen. It won't bring anything back up. That's, that's the wrong one. <laughs> All right. So people head over to just Google XMD and they'll find yes. Yep, I see it now. XMDsource.com. So that's where you guys can find the free brushes. And uh, where do people find you if they want to? Do you have some social media or someplace like that that you Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm on everything. I have also my own website, michaeldonald.com, that uh, apparently my internet's going to go a little slow right now. But uh, yeah, I have all my portfolio stuff in here. You can go over here, you can look at all of my wonderful art. And yeah, XMD Source is the store. I'm also on QBrush, uh, Gumroad, ArtStation. But you can go on there. Right. And also, if you create an account on anything else, you can just message me and I will uh, give you XMD Source for free. Uh, as long as uh, you have a subscription somewhere else, then it comes with it, no matter what site you sign up. Sweet. All right, guys, any other questions before we head out? I really, really appreciate you taking the time, Michael, to really walk through the, you know, how you create it and the depth of it um, that you do. So That's give me a quick yes, no, guys. You know the drill. That way I'm not waiting for an answer. Yes, no, yes, no. Any questions? Thomas is wondering about that. Uh, he didn't get the signing up. So I think uh, what he what he means is, is if you're on QBrush and you purchase something, you can get it on Gumroad too. Was that what you meant? Yeah, what I was saying, um, so my, I have a annual membership and a lifetime membership that comes with ah, yes. only brushes. And uh, uh, it, you get all my premium stuff included in it. Uh, what I was saying is if you buy it anywhere, you can message me and you'll get XMD source included for free because there's no way for me to put the toolbox, uh, there's no API for QBrush or Gumroad or any of that. So everything's tied to xsource.com. So I give that okay. if you bought it somewhere else. Uh, I think that's All right. And Thomas, you can, uh, you got it. Okay, great.
All right, guys, thank you so much for being here. Mike, thank you so much for sharing all this. Yeah, no problem. It was a blast. All right. So I want to thank you so much for being here and taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to ask a couple of things from you. Number one, make sure you leave a comment or you rate this on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever that you're listening to this. It really makes a big difference in helping us get the word out and to help people understand what we do. The other thing is I want to make sure that you know where to find us. Head over to www.vertexschool.com to learn about all the programs that we have for creatives. Our job at Vertex School is to teach you new skills in creative tech and help you get a job that matters to you. We lock in on the specific skills and triggers that people are looking for in the industry and what you need to do to prove that you can do this job. We're taking applications right now, so make sure that you head over to www.vertexschool.com and apply today. All right, again, thank you so much for being here. Have an amazing day.